Thank you for pressing through those Bible names. It's all, I think I read those last week. It's always fun to see somebody else take a shot at them, too. Great, great job this morning. Hey, uh, so I'm going to jump right in. I, gotta, I feel like I have a lot to share this morning before we get to communion. And just a reminder, we will be concluding our, our service today with, with, with communion. But the uh, Rod read uh, text that we ended service last week there um, in, in 1 Kings 19, 15 through 18. And the title of today's message is Show Me the Remnant. Elijah the prophet is in that text, and he is. This, is, this text comes after Elijah had been grumbling about how he, he just had this moment with the prophets of with the moments of the prophets of Baal where he proved with signs and wonders that God is the true God, and his reward for all of that was that the Jezebel and Ahaz were now out to kill him. And he was kind of having a what's the point kind of attitude. And in the midst of that, the Lord gives him a commission of, of what to do, and he shows him the remnant of those that are fired up, that are ready to go and ready to do the Lord's work in such a time as this. And so I'm going to ask you a couple things. First, I'm going to ask you to go to Haggai in your Bible. How many of you even knew there was a Haggai in your Bible? It's actually a book of the Bible. Not, not very long. Um, it's uh, in my Bible. It's on, page, it's on page 884. So go to 884 in your Bible and you might find it. But Haggai, okay, in between Zephaniah and Zechariah, okay? So if you see a prophet that begins with a Z, you're getting really close. It is a very easy book to, to pass by, but I do want you to be in that text. Haggai chapter 1, we're going to take a look at. Now, just by raise of hands, and I won't get offended, I promise, okay? How many of you, uh, how many of you read your newsletters this morning? Okay, I told you I wouldn't get, oh, thank you, thank you. I told you I wouldn't get offended for the rest of you didn't. So, but just as most of you didn't read them, I'm going to go ahead and read it to you this morning, okay? Um, each first Sunday of the year, we kind of do, I, I've tended to do some, somewhat of a state of the church kind of a message, and I really feel like uh, today is that message, but really a lot of it is right here. It's right here in this newsletter, which, which serves as the same title um, for our message today. So, I want to draw your attention to the, new, to the newsletter. I'm going to be reading right out of the newsletter here um, uh, from this message called Show Me the Remnant. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shelatel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant, there's that word, of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. And then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. Haggai 1.12 through 13. Now as we read this, we're going to just hear a very pragmatic view of what's taking place in our church and across the world. It says, in the Bible, we can read about the occasional use of the word remnant. This word in Hebrew is transliterated as shirith, and it simply means the remaining or the rest. This idea in the Old Testament has to do with those who have remained faithful to the law of the Lord and continue to obey the laws and commandments of God. In the New Testament, it takes on the idea of those who choose to believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah when others are choosing to reject him. So in both parts of the Bible, there has always been a remnant. 
an exception to the status quo. This is the exception to the status quo of a non-believing culture, also the status quo of those that call themselves believers. COVID-19 has simply accelerated the decline that has been taking place in the American church for the last 20 years. Perhaps it is at this moment, though, that the results of this decline have become the most noticeable. Every church in our small town of West Alexandria has experienced a 25 to 50 percent decline in the past two years. However, just as this decline is now clearly visible, the remnant is also clearly visible. Throughout the history of the church, when times changed, when falling aways occurred, when lifestyles were altered, there was always a remnant. A remnant that remained faithful to the living God because their devotion was not based on convenience, culture, or circumstances. So I say this to all of you. Thank you for being a part of this remnant in our congregation. However... It has never been enough just to be the remnant, nor could you be part of the remnant by just showing up. In Haggai chapter 1, the remnant was reminded that they had important work to do. And this commission came with the encouraging and empowering word from the Lord, I am with you. So as we begin 2022... I would encourage you that as we choose to be the church, not just come to church, the Lord will be with us and he will build his kingdom like he has done time and time again through his remnant of disciples that say yes in the moment of truth. With that, I want to pray for all of you as we begin this message this morning. Well, Lord, this morning I want to say thank you for the remnant. Thank you for those that are saying yes to you in the midst of this moment of truth in our, in our culture, this moment of truth uh, in our day where we could easily adopt the attitude of Elijah as well as the attitude of those that Haggai came to preach to. This what's the point attitude. Why are we still doing this attitude? And Lord, you reminded them who you were, and why your work is so important, and that all that we attempt to do is really just in vain and will, find, will, will come out to be meaningless and empty without placing you first, right in the middle of it. So, Lord, we need to hear your word today more than the, the ways and philosophies of man. We need to hear from the living God. So may our hearts be open today as we hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to just go through three things, and these are all in your notes now. Um, I, actually, I mean, your notes meaning your bulletin. Your bulletin, we was actually able to get a three-part outline ready for you. So right out of your bulletin, you should be able to see that three-part outline. These three things that you see where it says, show me the remnant under sermon notes. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the word of the Lord to Elijah that we, that we read about in the text that Rod just shared with us. And the word of the Lord to Elijah, after all of Elijah's grumbling, 
he gives him a plan. He gives him a commission. And the word of the Lord to Elijah, if you can put up slide two, Nick, is to pass on with passion, encouragement, and anointing. Pass on with passion, encouragement, and anointing. Elijah was being called of God in this season to pass on his ministry. But there was also a a way that he needed to do this. He needed to do this with a sense of urgency, with a sense of passion that this mattered. Uh, To to, to pass on with some energy, to to pass on with some excitement because of what God was about to do next. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but um, you guys know Mike uh, Shashevsky is the, the head coach of Duke. And I'll give, uh, I'll give a couple bucks to anybody who can spell his name real quickly for me, okay? Mike Shashevsky, the head coach of Duke, is actually resigned since last year. And he's, he's actually really excited. I mean, he's sad to leave Duke, but he's really excited because he's been permitted to transition the way he's wanted to transition and he's basically got an apprentice. The guy that's going to be the next head coach is already on his staff. And they'd interviewed him. He said, this is the way they get to do it oftentimes in the military. So I get to feel a sense of investment. I get to feel a sense of investment in this, this new person. And so there's an excitement about passing something on. That it's, that it's not just someone else is picking up where he's left off. He gets to pass something on. And I want us to see, see, when, when we hear words like this, uh, messages like this about being the remnant, about building the church, I recognize that many of you hear things like this and have a sense that your season, uh, the season of life that you're in, I don't know if this is still a ministry for me anymore. I don't know if I still have the energy to do this. I don't know if that's for me. And that very well may be true. But what I have to ask you today is, is this something then that you are ready to pass on with a passion, to pass on with encouragement, to pass on realizing that maybe who you pass this on to may not do something exactly like you do it. It may look different. It, 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 may, look, it may, may feel a little bit different than the way that you used to do it, but God is raising up someone else in an area, in a ministry, whether it be our church or you see this taking place in other facets of your life right now where there's a need for you to pass something on with encouragement and passion. I say those two things are really important because oftentimes we like, and this happens oftentimes in the church, is we just drop something and someone else picks it up and we continue to grumble about the someone else that picks it up. Well, they're not doing it the way I would have. Well, of course not because they're not you. That's why they wouldn't do it the way that you do it. You know, every time... Every time there's any kinds of transition, there's this universal truth that no one can ever be completely replaced, but someone can always be replaced. Both pieces are true. You're never going to get someone to to duplicate someone exactly. They're going to have gifts and strengths that the other person maybe didn't have. Um, but, but they're also going to, you can be replaced that they will fill, they can fill in some of those holes that you had. That's just the way the world works. No one's ever completely replaced, but everyone is replaceable because it's not about us. And so this is what Elijah needed to hear. Elijah was grumbling and, and frustrated. He'd done all that he laid himself out there, but he was getting to a point where his season of ministry was coming to an end. And the Lord empowered him to pass on with passion and encouragement. And I'm forgetting that. La- I haven't told you about that last word yet because the last word was anointing. 
Now, anointing is what Samuel did to David. Anointing is what prophets often do. But anointing, whether we do this in our church or not, is an expression, a recognition that God has raised up this person. That it doesn't, whether I like it or not, it doesn't have a darn thing to do with me. God has raised up this person in this role. And, and he who God has placed in this, this role, I cannot wrestle against. So I, I must need to learn to come to terms with what God is doing and be comfortable with that because it's what the Lord is doing in our midst. And so I say this because I know some of you are, have been in, in, in that season. Some of you are not. It's not time for you to pass on. It's time for you to continue to build. And even when you pass on, there's still a ministry, there's still a work, a calling of the Lord for you to do, and that does include passion, that does include encouragement. But oftentimes in the church, we do not pass on very well. We often pass on with grumbling, with frustration, with frustrations, with complaining, rather with passion, excitement, and encouragement. And just as the word of the Lord to Elijah was to pass on with encouragement in, in in passion, he needed uh, he he needed to to hear this from the Lord to go do what the Lord was calling him to do in this moment. Um, hey, we don't got a large crowd, and I don't know who will listen to this, but I'll tell you, me, me, my wife and I went through an interesting season for us this year in I'll just say a sport where we were we had been we've coached for quite a few years before, and here we are watching someone else coach that is significantly younger than us, and and doing things. God forbid, right? Different than we would do them. How could they do that? And it was, it was I'm not going to say it was easy. It was hard. And we, we had to learn to come to terms with, hey, if we really wanted to do what they were doing, we could have done what they were doing. We've chosen not to. We've chosen for someone else to be raised up in that role. And we need to do everything we can to be as supportive as possible. And I'm not going to give myself an A in this process, I'll be honest with you. But it was something where I had to realize where, what my role was. And more than anything else, that word that keeps coming up as we're hearing is encouragement. To learn to be someone who is encouraging, empowering, and uplifting that next generation of those who choose to lead. So you get, to, you get that choice. Whether you want to be an obstacle or you want to be an encourager. Whether you want to be someone that stands in the way of someone else that the Lord is raising up. Or you want to be an encourager. So secondly, the next piece. I want to get into Haggai, but I'll say first off, the word of the Lord from Haggai was to build my church. So let me give you some background into Haggai. If you've, if you've read, um, we've talked about Ezra and Nehemiah before. Okay, under the Medo-Persian Empire, Ezra and Nehemiah were permitted, they were in captivity. When you hear words like exile and captivity, that means the Israelites were not able to be in their own land. They were basically slaves. Um, they were basically slaves or part of the culture in ba- first in Babylon, then, well, first in Assyria, then in Babylon, then in Medo-Persia. And it was the Medo-Persians who, through, through King, Queen Esther, actually, they were given favor and eventually given the privilege to go back and rebuild. And that's what happened under Ezra and Nehemiah. But time had then passed, and the building process was not going as quickly as they would like. And there's just this feeling as they're beginning to rebuild that, man, things just aren't going to be the same. 
Like, it's different now. We, we're not even our own country. Like, we don't even have our, we're kind of being permitted by the Meadow Persians to come back. And we're not the great Israel that we once were under King Solomon. And things just felt different for them. And so I want to read, this was the attitude that they had had. And I'm going to read this text. I'm going to read a few pieces out of Haggai chapter 1. And you won't see these words exactly in your Bibles because I'm reading out of the message. But the message puts this very frankly, okay? And I'll let you decide whether this is a word for us today in the church, all right? So I'm reading, by the way, I did have one person take me up on this, and she's not here, but my favorite devotional, Solo, the message Solo, if you ever would want one, holler at me. I'll be happy to to find a way to get you one as quickly as possible. But I'm reading right out of um, Haggai in the message here. So it says, shortly after that, God said more, and Haggai spoke it. How is it that it's the right time for you to live in your fine new homes while the home, God's temple, is in ruins? So they're beginning to, they're doing this building process, but while they're trying to rebuild God's temple, they're really getting excited about their own homes, and they're, they're, they're adding all these aesthetics and extra things to their own homes and placing the Lord's work as secondary. Now, I know that doesn't apply to our culture very well today, okay? So I'll try to move on to something else. And then a little later here, God of the angel, then a little later, later God of the angel army spoke out again, take a good, hard look at your life. Think it over. You have spent a lot of money, but you haven't much to show for it. You keep filling your plates, but you never get filled up. And then verses 8 through 9, then God said, here's what I want you to do. Climb into the hills and cut some timber. Bring it down and rebuild the temple. Do it just for me. Honor me. You had great ambitions for yourselves, but nothing has come of it. The little you have brought to my temple, I have blown away. There was nothing to it. In other words, what you brought me was your, your worst, your minimal, the least that you could give. And why? This is a message from God of the angel armies, remember, because while you run around, you've run around, caught up with taking care of your own houses, my home is in ruin. That's why, because of your stinginess And so I've given you a dry summer and a skinny crop. I've matched your tight-fisted stinginess by decreasing a season of drought, drying up fields and hills, withering gardens and orchards, stunting vegetables and fruit. Nothing, not man nor or woman, not animal or crop, is going to thrive. Yes, the message puts this text very frankly, and you can read those pieces. The actual, the the scripture, those are pieces of Haggai chapter 1. And the word of the Lord that he is giving um, the people is to build my church. Now, I know we don't see the word build my church, but if you look at Haggai 1.8, the words are go up into the mountains and build my house. So they had not completed. They'd been back ever since the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And they still hadn't completed building the temple at this time. The word is build, not maintain, not pacify, work. And whose house is it to build? Whose church is it to build? His. 
To build his church, we must be people that want his will for our church, not ours. I'm going to say that again. We must be people that want his will for our church, not ours. Because while it's about our ambitions and what we want, we will always be in conflict. We can typically be in conflict with what God wants. And at the end of this song, or excuse me, at the end of this sermon, we're going to play a song, an upbeat song that just simply says, build your church. It's your church and understanding that we are part of what God is doing. See, the gospel, oftentimes we have a hard time understanding this idea of remnant. It's always been about a sifting. It's always been about God finding the people that want his will more than they want their own ambitions. Doesn't doesn't mean your ambitions are wrong, but our ambitions are meant to be lined up with first the purposes of the kingdom of God. And as long as those things are are in opposition to each other, we're always going to struggle with what this faith thing is. We're always going to find ourselves just giving the Lord our least, like the people in Haggai were rebuked for. And so the last piece here this morning. And this is what this is the last thing of the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord um, to the people comes in Haggai one three. Here's what the Lord says as they begin to do his work. He says, I am with you. This amazing, mysterious truth. I am with you on Christmas Eve. We talked about how. We've had different characters come from the nativity. I said, now Jesus is here with you. And a couple people looked back, where? Where's the Jesus is coming? No, he's here. The real thing is here. If we believe what we confess, that through the resurrection of Christ, the spirit of God is now available to us, that he is with us. And if we believe that, we can believe that it's not just our role to build his church. We have work to do, but he is present with us in this work. And we learned that he can do a lot of the work without us if we lean in and trust him and believe God's will for our congregation. And if he is for us, who can be against us? As it says in Romans 8.31, Nick. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We often forget the idea that we have work to do and that when we do that work, He is with us. And here's this confession you're going to hear in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. Text I hope is pretty familiar to you. It says that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? This is always the question. Always the question we have to ask ourselves. Who do you say Jesus is? The person I think about and makes me feel good on Sunday morning. Um, A person that historically was here, you know, over 2,000 years ago. I don't really know if he is who he says that he is. I mean, there's lots of people have different opinions, so I don't know if I've really made up my mind yet. Do or do we believe him to be the Messiah? Because that language has kingship attached to us. As we talk about this morning, and you're going to see the rest of the language in this text, is building a kingdom. 
Messiah takes on the idea that he is my king, recognizing that everybody I interact with each and every, each and every day in the culture, he's really not everybody else's king. But I have chosen that I am under a different authority. And that when I submit myself to his authority, his kingship, his lordship, I have all the authority in the world. It's an incredible mystery. And so here's what it says. So what do you say? And he's asking Peter. He says, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, as we just read about. Because people felt that Elijah was going to come back. And be the forerunner because Elijah didn't die. He was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind right after he did what the Lord asked him to do. And he passed on with passion, encouragement, and anointing. And still others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then Jesus loves to ask the question, but what about you? What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am, Simon Peter? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, another translation there, revelation, upon this revelation, I will build my church. In other words, upon the truth that you, as a finite man, say, I am. You are the Messiah. Upon this revelation of people, other people like you, recognizing the lordship of Christ, upon that revelation in spirit and in truth, I will build my church. Upon people that say yes to me, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He, upon this revelation, he will build his church. I hope you see how both things there work together. As we choose to allow Christ to be our king and we're a part of his work, not working in opposition to it, not talking about it or listening to it and then going off and living in a way as if all of that stuff was relevant. We just pacify our pastor or pacify our congregation members by showing up each Sunday. As we believe this, that Jesus is the Messiah and live our life in such a way we are part of the kingdom of God that is being built in such a time as this. And so in conclusion, as we ask, um, I'm going to ask Rod and Ruby come and Mandy to come forward and prepare for communion this morning. The key point of this text in Haggai and the moment that they are called the remnant in this text is that when they heard this message from this prophet Haggai, who, by the way, came out of nowhere. It's funny when you study him. We don't really have a history of where Haggai came from. Like he had been a prophet that had been sharing the Lord's words for years. Nobody really knows where Haggai came from. It's like he was raised up for this moment. This guy out of nowhere gives a word of the Lord. So everybody there had reason to be skeptical, to scratch their head and say, who is this guy? But they believed it as the word of the Lord, and they responded. They changed, they heard this word, and they changed their ways. See, that's the universal truth that we have to catch. We, we can come to church every Sunday, 
And none of this will ever matter unless that peace happens. That when we hear the word of the Lord, something in us changes. Something in us gives. Something in us causes us to render, to surrender and say, the Lord's will is better than my own pursuits. The Lord's ways are better than mine. And it says the whole people responded. And it's that point in that text, the writers call them the remnant. Here's those that were left. And this remnant of imperfect people, they're hearing the word of the Lord and they're responding to it. Even in a day where they could grumble and say, what's the point? Even in a day where they say, well, I got so many things at home that I still got to take care of. And I'm still just in process. And can I just put this temple stuff on hold until I get my life and get my stuff in control? I'm sure you haven't heard that today in this culture, right? I mean, come on. This is one of the most, things, most common things I hear. I'm so busy right now. At some point, maybe I'll be able to give back and I'll be a part of really the kingdom. But I got all these other things to worry about. And in the middle of that attitude, they were able to hear the word of the Lord and respond to it and change. And so that expresses their humanity, but then God's affirmation on them as the remnant. And this sacrament that we're going to partake in as we conclude service today, this is the exact reason why this sacrament exists. Because Jesus in his last moments with the disciples knew that there would be great temptation in this world. That there are many things that are going to pull you apart and you're going to be able to find your identity in. But you're going to need to come back to this table with other believers and remember who you are. And remember the work that you were called to do. And so as we partake of communion in just a few moments, not yet, Nick, um, I'll tell you when to play that song in just a moment. I've got more of an upbeat song we're going to play, and you'll have some words on the screen that you can sing if you'd like. And you're going to sing along with, well, you know, a group of people here, a younger generation, too, as a symbol even of passing on and being reminded of God showing us the remnant that you're not alone as the church of Jesus Christ. And the song simply says, build your church. It's a song that's simply called Build Your Church, that we are a part of this and that we are, we are, we are committing, we are in covenant with God to do the work he's called us to today. But it begins with moments like this. So at this time, I want to encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we prepare for communion. Hold off on that song, Nick. I'll have you play it when we begin walking, okay? But before we we come forward, I just want you to have a moment of reflection and be reminded of who you are. There are many ways, many things that can become distractions for us, many ways we can get pulled in many other directions. But Jesus said to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, says the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. But yet there's so many other things you proclaim. You proclaim his resurrection. You proclaim that he is the Messiah. 
you proclaim that you are still in this. You proclaim to your brothers and sisters that I'm with you in this. You proclaim to others that I am part of this remnant in such a time as this. So in your own way, before you come forward, in just a few moments, we're going to begin playing a song, and um, mom and dad are going to start dismissing row by row. You prepare your heart as long as you need to, and this, is so- this song is going to be a commission that we are called together to build his church. And if you would need plastic, um, we'll get you some plastic. There's plastic there at the back table. Um, but I want to be- one more prayer for you as we begin communion. Lord, now as we begin to partake, each and every one is there seated. Lord, may you awaken them to their call in this moment. And as this sacrament, as a moment of our union as believers, as part of your church, that we place you as the head of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Uh, let's close with a word of prayer this morning. Lord, I thank you for that word. Build your church. Build your church. Build it from the ground up. It's your church. And upon this rock, we proclaim your truth. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Those are powerful words from scripture, but they are words that we are reminded that we are meant to be a part of. They're meant to be our commission, our mission, our battle cry. We are still in this. In the midst of decline, in the midst of cultural changes, circumstances, and all that transpires in our midst, the work of the Lord has not changed. Lord, I hope we hear your still small voice as Elijah did. And after the earthquake, after the fire, after the wind, Elijah heard the still small voice reminded him that I still have work for you to do as the church. So, Lord, with great reverence, may we hear your call this morning as we begin our first Sunday of 2022. Lord, may you empower us to do your work in such a time as this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We we'll invite you to stand this morning for your benediction. May you pass on with passion, encouragement, and anointing. May you build the church and experience the eternal reality to every son and daughter of God that he is with you. God bless you and have a wonderful week. shut it out. Oh, just a reminder, we are going to begin tearing down for Christmas. If you're able to stick around, we would greatly appreciate it. We're going to jump right in right now. Not now, but right now.